Hi, I'm Stephanie Ma from World Martial Arts Media, and today I'm here to tell you about LegacyBelts.com. Legacy Championship Belts and Awards is the world's premier manufacturer of custom and cast championship title belts who supplies belts to the top professional boxing, MMA, and wrestling organizations on the planet. If you're a promoter or collector looking for a high-quality MMA, martial arts, boxing, wrestling belt, or even a belt for a special event, then you need to visit LegacyBelts.com today. Be sure to like us at www.facebook.com slash LegacyBelts. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and you are listening to the Justin Harvey Show. Yeah! Hi, this is Bruce Hart of the Hart Foundation, brother of Brett the Hitman Hart and the late great Owen Hart, and you're listening to my good buddy Justin Ray Harvey. Hope you're enjoying the show and all the best to all the fans out there. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Justin Harvey here on the Justin Harvey Show with a special WrestleMania edition of the show. I don't normally do uh, weekend shows, and this is actually the um, first episode of um, PWF Wrestling, and I'm actually going to be their commissioner as Commissioner Harvey, and uh, I thought the best way to... uh, to start this new brand in conjunction with the Justin Harvey Show, I have my good friend uh, Bruce Hart of the Hart family on the phone with me tonight. Welcome, Bruce. Well, uh, nice to be back, Justin. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to have you. How you been? Not bad. I just uh, just got off the uh, radio. I was doing a special interview on on WrestleMania with President of the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame Cowboy Johnny Mantell and Bruiser Brody's wife, Barbara Goodish. So had a nice uh, chat with them and uh it's nice to be uh back with you Justin uh you know day before WrestleMania and kind of uh going over the card and some of the uh opinions and perspectives on that so should be fun oh absolutely bruce and i wanted you know i wanted to uh first start off and say that i am very highly disappointed that yet again Owen Hart is not in the hall of fame again this year so i was really hoping that it would have been this year yeah as i said before you know i uh wrote on my online call them heart murmurs a couple of weeks back about in my disappointment with the Hall of Fame and the uh, fact that Owen and my brother-in-law, Davey Boy Smith, the British Bulldog, and uh, my good friend, the Dynamite Kid, among others, are uh, not in the Hall of Fame yet. Uh, they've seen, to, seen fit to uh, induct, you know, people like you know, Jimmy Garvin and Snoop Dogg and Jacqueline and uh, mm-hmm. people like that that, no offense to them, but they're certainly not anywhere near as deserving of Hall of Fame, you know, candidacy as uh, Owen or the Bulldogs or other guys like that. So I think it almost makes the WWF look bad. Mhm, mhm. Including I, the uh, other guys, you know. Mhm. I to- I totally agree, and I want to. With, with WrestleMania, you know, a lot of people are, you know, this question is burning in their minds, and I want to go ahead and start with this this evening. Um, what do you think about <laughs> Shane McMahon against the Undertaker? I mean, 
in in my opinion, Bruce, I think that they could have done they could have done better with setting up a match for the Undertaker. What what's your thoughts on that? For me, you know, uh, whenever you do something, you should have a pretty good reason for whatever you're doing, and uh, the whole thing seems to me convoluted, where you have Shane fighting with another face, the Undertaker, that he has no pre-existing issues with whatsoever, you know, so mm-hmm. the uh, conflict is between, as it's supposed apparently is with Shane and Stephanie and Hunter and Vince, then by that token, you may as well have just had Shane fight Triple H. Like, if, you know, that's where all the uh, conflict and the issue is. Undertaker uh, doesn't really have anything to do with it, you know, so it's all well and good. I think it's nice, like, I'm a fan and a friend of Mark Calloway, you know, Undertaker, he's a pretty decent person, and uh mm-hmm certainly paid his dues and all of that, but um, at the same time, you know, the whole match makes no sense, you know, why you have two faces that have no issues with each other, Shane and Taker, and you have Stephanie and Vince and all this kind of, you know, kind of negative you know, rhetoric about uh, Vince and Hunter and Stephanie putting Shane down and Shane accusing them of ruining the business and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, so you you know, I I say, well, why don't you just have Shane fight, you know, uh, Hunter or whatever, and, you know, those are the two that are at odds with each other, like what's Undertaker got to do with it, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, so... That's that's my take on it. I I believe that uh, Undertaker, you know, from what I hear, it's probably his farewell. But um, it would have been better, my estimation, to have Taker go out with somebody that he had some issues with, or yeah, yeah, something. You know, I don't know the whole. Yeah. For me, the whole card has got all kinds of major flaws, you know, you got to me way too many matches that are uh gimmick matches. Like you know, they have this more is better mindset, but it isn't, you know. Yeah. If if I was you know, a big wrestling fan it would be enough to attract me to see the one main event like say Roman and Triple H or, uh, you know, maybe uh, Kevin Owens in that match or something. When I'm getting uh, that match and I'm getting the the seven-man elimination ladder match with Kevin Owens and that bunch and Hell in a Cell in a Cage and Triple Threat Divas match and another 10-man Divas match and another hardcore match with the Usos and the Dudleys and, you know... uh, AJ Styles and Chris Jericho. <laughs> like, yeah. Way to me, way too much overkill, and I almost to the point where uh, it detracts from. Uh, like, if I was a wrestling fan, I'd almost be going, "Man, that's too much." I, uh, you know, I can only digest so much, you know. And uh, the problem is, you get too many of these guys, and they're going to be all. You know, and you can't blame them for endeavoring to outdo each other. But after a while, you can only, after about that 100th, you know, chair shot or hitting the head with the kendo stick or, you know, uh, going through the table and all the other stuff, you know, it's almost like it starts desensitizing you to the point where you don't and can't react Mm-hmm. You know, after about the 100th time, I hear a bunch of smart marks going, holy shit, whatever. I uh, I almost got to the point where I'm like, you know, I'm almost overdosed on the stuff to the point where it doesn't even matter, you know, and that's not 
a good way to be uh, doing it from what I've seen in uh, my, you know, having been a booker and a wrestler, you know, you, mm-hmm. you have to kind of, you have to value what you're doing. You know, if you're cheapening your product, then all you're doing is making it harder for yourself. Like, if I see the Undertaker give one tombstone pile driver and he pins a guy, I'm probably likely to react. But if he gives Shane 20 and Shane keeps kicking out or something, after yeah. a while, you know, I uh, get to the point where I don't even know what to react to. You know, if you shoot a guy and then he gets up and you shoot him again, and after a while, you know, so many yeah. times. and. and it's kind of getting like that, you know. I saw the other day in the preview to this thing with Dean Ambrose and Brock, which I don't have great vibes about either. But, you know, I get to see Brock give Dean maybe 20 suplexes, and Dean gets right <laughs> gets right up, and, you know, uh, it's, well, you know, I'm saying, well, maybe the suplexes aren't that... Yeah. Devastating or or something, you know. You know, so everything is what you make of it, but you have to be, uh, you know, kind of consistent. You know, I, I go back to the simple analogy of a Popeye cartoon. If Popeye gets the can of spinach and he does whatever to Pluto, and then Pluto jumps up and kicks Popeye in the in the gonads or something like that, and so, yeah. then after a while, it's like you know. I, no, I've been preconditioned to react to the can of spinach, but now that Bluto's made the comeback, maybe, you know, what am I supposed to react to now? And I'm kind of like that with all of this, you know, you have all these, uh, you know, excessive uh, means of making you react, and you get to the point where, you know, you almost become kind of insensitive to the whole thing, you know, because uh, everything is kind of a perversion of the preconditioning, which is mm-hmm. unfortunate, you know, but it, it, it's something that the WWE should be, uh, you know, they should be giving more thought to how they do these things rather than just, you know, kind of going to great lengths to overstate everything you know like i you know if you've been a wrestling fan for many years but i know back in the day if you had one extreme rules match in the car that would be it and that would be the the main event and the centerpiece and the uh thing that everyone was kind of looking forward to you know reacting to but you know, as I said before, you got world titles, you got ladders, you got uh, hell in the cells, you got street fights, you got no DQ hardcore matches, you got triple threat divas matches, you got ten man divas matches, you got ten man, you know, with woman ten woman divas match, and you got a hardcore tag team match, and you know, and um, it's, it to me is over way way too much overkilling. The part that's also problematic is that they don't have that much else. Like, you put all your eggs in that one basket, but a month from now, they're going to have already kind of seen all those matches. So a match that should be, like, for me, I would have saved, say, Jericho and uh, AJ for the next pay-per-view instead of having it kind of buried in the undercard on this show, you know, or uh, I would have saved the Usos and the uh, the Dudleys, or I would have saved the 10-man Diva Fest, or I would have put uh, Dean Ambrose and Brock, mm-hmm. you know, in a, in a big uh, confrontation at the next, you know, kind of in-your-house pay-per-view or something like You give them all on the same card, and there's... You know, correct me if I'm wrong, there's not that much else that's brewing on the horizon. That's You know, so I'd far rather, rather see some of those matches for the first time a month or two from now rather than seeing them as kind of encore performances. You know, it's like, well, I already saw 
yeah. Kevin Owen and Sami Zayn on WrestleMania. This is kind of a rematch where we saw AJ and Chris Jericho, right? We saw Charlotte and um, Becky Lynch or something like that. You know, I, like, that's, that's sort of what I'm saying. Those matches have almost been demeaned because if you try to market them as main events down the road, everyone's going to say, well, it was just kind of like one of the preliminary matches at WrestleMania, so it's no big deal. You know, it's almost like, uh, who cares? <laughs> you know, yeah. Back in Felisto, you know, was the opening match or was not even on, it was on the uh, pre-card or something like that. So, you know, uh, you know, now you're expecting me to buy it as a, a main event, but they, they should know better than that. You know, you have to, uh, you have to kind of uh, spread things out, and that's part of what booking is all about. Is kind of, uh, you know, kind of uh, not using all your ammunition on any one card. You have to keep kind of uh, saving it for the next time, and the next time, and the next time. So, you know, it it means something. Because unfortunate part of it right now is there's. Aside from what's on WrestleMania, there's not that much mm-hmm. else in reserves. Like uh, after WrestleMania, it's not like uh, something that you and I know. Like uh, there's, uh, you know, this guy and that guy, you know, are going to be the big thing after. Uh, both the only guys that might be maybe the return of Seth Rollins, but that's you know. Uh, that's about it, you know. If you can call Randy Orton, maybe something new, because I'm not sure if he's on the card or not. I'm not sure if he's been injured or suspended yeah. or what. But uh, aside from that, there's not any real hot issues that I know of that are kind of people are clamoring to see. You know, it's kind of like they're using all their ammunition for this one thing. And as I said before, it would have been better for this card to have half as many matches, but make those matches better. You know, if, see if you got uh, ten, twelve matches that are all trying to uh, be the uh, showstopper or whatever, as Chris Jericho used to say, then then you know by the end of the card, you almost kind of exhausted the people's attention span and their emotional ability to, you know, get into it and all, because, you know, and so, you know, having said that, I would have, I probably would have put aside half of those matches and then put the five, say you did ultimately decide you wanted to have Shane and Taker and you wanted to have uh, Roman and, Hunter and you maybe wanted to have uh, AJ and Chris Jericho and a Divas match and maybe a tag, then you could have uh, made those match, you know, made those matches longer and put more into them. But given that there's 12 or whatever many matches, you know, those mat- all those matches you're going to have to cut their time in half and go through you know, kind of a high spot fest and shove it down people's throats, which to me is compromising the quality of what you're endeavoring to give to people. It's like it's like shoving a bunch of food down people's throats yeah. at a restaurant and then also saying, well, because we have to uh, shove all this food down the throats, we can't cook it long enough and we can't uh, serve it properly we're just going to you know and that's what it's kind of like here you know like all those matches like say I like for example Jericho and AJ Styles is a match that's probably those guys are good enough workers that they could probably work 30 minutes and you know build to a climax and all but because they're you know uh rushed for time and they got 12 other matches or something. Yeah, yeah. I'd say and, most yeah. of those matches are going to be shortened to the point where like five or six minutes and get in and get out. Well, 
that doesn't do justice to a Chris Jericho or an AJ Styles because they don't work that style, you know. So, you know, and I think that's going to be part of the problem. You know, when you start looking at all those matches on the card, if if you actually let them go out and do justice to what they're capable of, then the card's going to go about five hours <laughs> because yeah. uh, Dean and Brock need to build up to a climax, and AJ and Jericho need to, and uh, you know the, the Dudleys and the Usos and the Ten Men Diva, whatever the heck that is, you know, and uh, you know, and Roman and uh, you know Triple H are not real fast dynamic styles either, so they're going to have to build, you know, and, but you know, at, at that point you can't do that because you have so much, so you know. At some point, you're compromising, but as I said before, I think they would have been better off having uh, half as many matches, but make those matches twice as good as they're likely to be, you know, and instead I'm likely to see 10 or 12 matches that are uh, unfortunately all high spot tests and uh, using all the... uh, you know, I don't. I don't see it as a reasonable compensation for uh, wrestling, where you're pulling out chainsaws and chairs and tables and ladders and, la- and uh, kendo sticks and like that. You know, I've said that a long time. Like any non-wrestling idiot on the street can hit somebody on the head with a sledgehammer, or shoot somebody, or hit them on the stick, or yeah. you know, it's not wrestling, so. You know, uh, you can only uh, do so much of that before it starts, you know, becoming kind of tired and unfortunately uh, see that kind of uh, likely to happen here. Yeah, yeah. Um, would you so, would you say, like, speaking of Taker, if this is Taker's last hurrah, so to speak, I will be very disappointed because many, many fans have wanted Taker versus Sting for many years, and I think I think it's a big mistake on WWE's part not making that happen. What's your thoughts on that, Bruce? I think it would have made a lot more sense than Shane and Taker. Like you know, we were saying before, uh, there's no issues between Shane and Taker that I know of. Yeah, there's nobody nobody that I know of was clamoring to see Shane and Taker go at it at rest. You know, correct me if I'm wrong. And you know, I, uh, I certainly wasn't like, wow, you know. And so, I think you know uh, they would have, you know, they should they should be taking those things into consideration, and. I'm not a huge fan of making all these stipulations like uh, I'm going to do this if I lose and stuff like that because in its own inadvertent way, it's almost a tip-off to the finish, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Like yeah. If you're making these stipulations, and the next step for the mo- most fans is to kind of uh, deduce, well, I guess Shane has to go over because uh, we know that he's not going to be permanently out of the picture type thing or, you know. And so sometimes you're better off not, you know, kind of almost giving the people a tip-off as to what the finish is going to be because some of those stipulations almost tend to do that where you're, you know, I'm going to do this if I lose, so... You sort of say, "Well, I know he's not going to do that, so I guess he's going over," you know, type thing. But, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, 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 uh, I hope Taker goes out on his terms, you know, and he's certainly been a very uh, respected and, you know, uh, iconic person in the wrestling history, you know, and uh, I think they. Hopefully, you let him have some input into how that transpires or whatever, you know. Yeah. 
but yeah, I, I hope you know. Uh, as, as I said on my online blog, I, I hope they uh, hope they work within their means. You know, the chain isn't isn't really a wrestler. You know, he does some high spots and stuff, but and, and Taker's not a not really much of a bump taker. You know, his yeah. style's been kind of this indestructible uh, kind of uh, monster type. So that doesn't, uh, on paper, make for a very good, you know, combination, so to speak. You know, you got a guy who doesn't take bumps and a guy who doesn't, you know, uh, do much either. So, you know, and neither one, I think Shane isn't much of a brawler. and. Yeah, that's they're just yeah. hitting each other with sticks, and you know, you know, I'm, I've been, I've become so kind of jaded or tired of seeing the timekeeper's table getting smashed, and uh, you know, and the tables being pulled out from under the ring, and the chairs, and the ladders, and the, and and you can bet you're going to see all that and. So many of the other matches, like the uh, Kevin Owens match and the Dudleys match and maybe the Divas match and the Brock and Dean match, and you know, so if if Taker and Shane are gonna, if they're planning on doing any of that, you know, uh, they need, they frankly need to tell all the other guys to not do that, and I'm sure that won't be happening, like. You know, especially when that's all the Dudleys do is that type of stuff. That's all Kevin Owen and all those guys are going to be doing in the ladder matches. Or, you know, that's all uh, Roman and Triple H are going to be doing with, you know, their uh, sledgehammers and sticks. Yeah, <laughs> all yeah. All other, you know. So, so you have to con- take those things into consideration when you're booking these cards, you know, that you don't have what they always used to refer to as uh, gap and overlap where you got uh, nothing but high spots and, you know, holy shit and all that stupid stuff, you know, because uh, yeah. people can only digest so much of that, you know. As I said before, you, you give a guy a big move one time and you pin him and people react, but you do a hundred big moves and you don't even get a one count after a while and it's like, uh, I guess, you know, I shouldn't react to any of this. You know, you get desensitized. And, yeah. You know, I, you should never lose sight of the fact that the fans are ultimately the uh, people that you need to be engaging and making feel like they have a very pronounced part of it. You know, that's what it's all about. But, uh just some of this indicates to me that they've lost sight of that or they seem to have forgotten that, which is, you know, hard to fathom when that should be your ultimate consideration. Anytime you ever book a damn card is uh, how you're going to sustain and engage the the fans. Yeah, yeah. Just to switch gears just for a second, Bruce, uh, what have you been into these days? Are you still teaching and stuff, or what have you been doing with yourself these days? Um, I'm still uh, teaching school here up in Canada, and then I uh, I've been doing uh, the Heart Murmurs online wrestling column and the Heartbeat Radio. I, I just finished uh, that uh, about an hour before I came on with you. I was on with a bunch of the. Uh, people that are down at WrestleMania, like Bruiser Brody's wife and um, Johnny Mantell, the president of the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, and mm-hmm. a bunch of that, so we are just discussing some of those things, and I know next week we have a really interesting, uh, I think, you know, conversation with some of these old school legends, including, uh, I'm not sure if you've heard of him, he was an old school legend from back in the 50s, 60s. Seventies, a uh, guy named Don Leo Jonathan. I've, I've heard of him. I'm not very familiar with him, but I've, I've heard of him. So. Yeah, I'm, do, I'm 
on with him and uh, another old school legend who was the WWF champion back in the 70s named Ivan Koloff. Now, I, I know of him. Yes, I know of Ivan Koloff. And, yes. and Don Leo Jonathan's been wrestling since the late 1940s, and he was, uh, in fact, I guess with Vince McMahon's grandfather, Jess McMahon, when he passed away in... Uh, 1952. Mm -hmm. so he's certainly got a long and proud history in the wrestling business, and Ivan Koloff, and I think the president of the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame is on with us, uh, Johnny Mantell, and then another familiar face, and Hillbilly Jim. So we'll be kind of just discussing WrestleMania and the uh, and maybe some of the old school stories with Don Leo and. Ivan Koloff, uh, and you know, I, th I think, uh, as I've said before, the mm -hmm. WWE needs to, you know, remember and uh, keep that in mind. The, uh, re you know, revisiting the uh, legend legends of the past and what wrestling was back in the day and. Um, Sometimes they seem to have lost sight of that, which has compromised their product quite a bit, I believe. Mm -hmm. And are you still doing um, your wrestling company, Stan Peter Wrestling, or how's that going? <coughs> yeah, we're, <coughs> excuse me, we're still uh, training quite a few guys up here, and uh, I know my uh, my sons have been doing quite a bit, and I'll have to have my son Tori uh, talking to him about you, Justin. Maybe he could come on your show sometime and tell you what it's like to train and what, you know. He's trained quite a bit with my other uh, nephew who was in the WWE and is actually quite talented, uh, David Hart Smith. Yeah. Mm -hmm. His real name is Harry, but uh, they called him David Hart Smith. But but yeah, he's a really good up-and-coming prospect, and has kind of got an old-school uh, attitude, you know. And yeah, yeah. It's kind of like similar to Owen and uh, Dynamite and Pillman and those guys, you know. Yeah, that, that, that's what I love about the network. You can go back to the old days of wrestling and watch the old matches of, you know, the Hart family and, you know, the good old days. <laughs> yeah, I've said it many a time before, Justin, but I think the biggest problem I find is there's a misconception where you say old school and they mm -hmm. tend to think that you're talking about, you know, kind of boring or, you know, old, old trunks and black shoes everyone's wearing and, all of that, but uh, old school is more just, you know, making it look real and uh, engaging the fans and, uh, you know, treating wrestling like the main, like it's the main thing, not uh, all the other uh, non-wrestling elements like talking and costumes and lights and smoke and mirrors and stuff. So. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I certainly know most of the old school guys that I was involved in training. Uh, they're among the most respected and um, most highly regarded guys in the history of the business. You know, people like Brett and Owen and Dynamite and Davey and Benoit and Pillman and guys like that. You know, those are old school guys and so... And I think mm. there needs to be more people like that. You know, there's a lot of other guys that I know that I held in that same high regard. Like I think Shawn Michaels was pretty old school, and uh, you know, I think AJ Styles is old school. You know, hopefully he'll get a chance to, uh, you know, to let him do what he's really capable of. And some of the mm -hmm. Japanese guys, I uh, hear good things about. You know, like Nakamura and. Uh, some of them, you know, I hope they, uh, you know, so hopefully they'll, uh, 
be given an opportunity to show what they're capable of, you know. If that was the case, it would be good for the business, you know. The business mm-hmm. needs to kind of regain some of its own respectability and it needs to reestablish and redefine what it actually is endeavoring to be, you know. And I think that's part of the problem. They don't have any clear idea, certainly based on even what WrestleMania yeah. If they had a clear idea of what they were actually endeavoring to be, then half of those matches would not be on the card. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. Yeah, uh, exactly. It's it's like, what are they going to do when? Yeah, it's like, what are they going to do when people. they actually quit? You know, it's like, what yeah. are they going to do? Well, you know. Yeah, one of the biggest indications to me that is a cause for concern is that. Uh, Invariably, it seems like people are clamoring for these, you know, The Rock or Sean or Mick Foley or, you know, uh, Sting and guys like that. And, and it's, you know, flattering to them, but at the same time, it unfortunately doesn't say very much about what's up and coming then, you know, like, uh, you know, it's kind of like, uh, the past is better than the future, which is not the way it's supposed to be, you know. So. Yeah, so, yeah. But they need to re-examine their whole approach, I believe, and then I'm not sure if they're capable of that or if they, if they do re-examine, they actually have to uh, go back to square one and kind of re-sow the seeds at the grassroots and that's not a, not an overnight process. It's kind of uh, ultimately redefining what what they how they want wrestling to be perceived and and reeducating mm-hmm. the wrestlers. You, you you got a bunch of wrestlers right now. I respect them because they're trying hard and they're. I think they have some passion. Some of them are just ass kissers and have no business being in there, but most of them, I think, have some passion, but they uh, they haven't been taught very well, and, uh, you know, they're endeavoring to uh, accommodate people in the office, uh, and in a lot of cases, don't have a clue what wrestling is either, you know, these so-called script writers and story writers, and at some point, you need everyone to be on the same page, and... Um, one of the biggest problems, you know, it's like a red alert. <laughs> if, yeah, yeah. If you know anything about the wrestling business, when you hear there's more than one writer <laughs> for yeah. WrestleMania or something, like something egregiously wrong with that, like it doesn't matter whether Titanic or, you know, Avatar was 10 hours long or whatever, you still yeah. just have one, one writer, one director or whatever. And, for that reason, you know, you know what it is, and you know, you know, they go in whatever direction they want. But when you have four or five, if you had, if you had half, half a dozen coaches coaching the New England Patriots during the Super Bowl game or something like that, you know, it would be a, a recipe for, for disaster. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm constantly puzzled. Is that you know, like I booked out here for years, and I. I never had any second or third or fourth five people contributing. Like maybe have some people give you suggestions and stuff, but ultimately you have to just have one person cooking the meal. And if yeah. uh, you have other people cooking the meal for one match and all the other, then you know you're inviting, you know, kind of uh, disaster with you having. You know, finishes that contradict each other, and you got uh, high spots in every match, and you got uh, preliminary matches uh, pulling out chainsaws and stuff. You know, it kind of, uh, you know, uh, in no other sport would or anything would you be doing that if you were at a rock concert and you had, you know, the opening act at the Rolling Stones 
stopping on baby chicks and pulling out chainsaws and setting fire to the stage and stuff. You know, somebody would fire them, you know, like, you know, at some point you need to, you know, one head needs to know what the other's doing type thing, you know. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so do you think that the big show is about then with his career? Or what's your thoughts on that? Um, as I said, you know, I, you know, I, taking it one step further back with the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, I I think it's in its own way, it's almost an insult to Andre because the Battle Royal now with Andre the Giant thing, mm-hmm. it's become just the dumping ground for all the leftovers, the jobbers, the guys that they've reduced to uh, the undercard, the guys who are, you know, uh, on the downhill slide, or you know, or they don't have any dancing partners, and you know, so in its own way, that's more of an insult to Andre than it is a compliment to him. They may as well, you know, like if you're going to have a battle royal in Andre's name or whatever, you may as well have a whole card. You may as well call it the Andre the Giant Royal Rumble, or you know, have all the big stars in it. Well, you have Hunter, and you got Roman, and you got Ambrose and Seth, and mm-hmm. and then they're vying for this big prize, like the Masters Golf Tournament or something. When you have all the leftovers and the guys that you know they couldn't find an opponent for, you know, wow. the opening match on the card, you know, it's complete nonsense to have a battle royal as the opening match on the card. You know, it's like. Uh, you know, complete antithesis of what what it's supposed to be about. So um, it's almost become more of a, a negative stigma. You know, it's like the uh, team that par- plays the Harlem Globetrotters the, or whatever. You know, it's like who cares? You know. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's that's pretty much what that Andre the Giant Battle Royal you know has unfortunately become. You know, so. Um, I suppose it's probably predictable that Big Show might win, although, you know, there's a few guys, you know, uh, I'd like to see maybe win just because they've been used so poorly. It'd be nice to see him get a little bit of a, a break, maybe like Curtis Axel or, you know, some of those guys that might uh, deserve a little bit better treatment, you know. but Yeah. I would actually love to see you back in a WWE ring. Yeah. I think I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. So, but yeah, I uh, I just hope they uh, go easy on the, for want of a better term, on the bullshit. You know, I hope they. Don't overdose it with chainsaws and sledgehammers and chairs and ladders and tables and kendo sticks and uh, kits and hats <laughs> all of that, you know, like almost the point where the wrestling becomes inconsequential compared to the uh high spots and the Yeah. Props and the gimmicks and the interviews and the Swerve finishes and the run-ins and uh, blah blah blah. You know, it's like uh, you know, they need to uh, really uh, keep that in mind. You know, but I'm not sure if they will. Yeah, yeah. And and Bruce, I wanted to tell you real quickly. After two years of rejections, uh, this very show is now on iHeartRadio, which is one of the biggest platforms that any podcast or radio show can be on. So I'm I'm very uh I'm very proud of that. So this will be on iHeartRadio when released. Uh, that sounds great, uh, Justin. Uh maybe you can spell that out for our listeners so maybe they can you know uh, iHeartRadio, is that what it's called? Uh yes sir, iHeartRadio. It's I H E RT Radio. It's one of the biggest platforms that any show can be on. They don't take any 
they don't take just any podcast. You have to meet certain requirements, and you have to have good content. So. Well, that's great. I, uh, it's certainly a testimonial to your hard work and and your passion and dedication. So I'm uh, happy to hear that. And uh, as I said before, any time uh, you want me or maybe one of my brothers or something like that, mm-hmm. um, feel free to call me and um happy to come back again, Justin. Oh, absolutely, because I'm thinking, I'm thinking, Bruce, me and you need to do something at least once a month so we can keep up with what you're doing with your podcast with your wrestling promotion, I mean, everything. Because you know me, Bruce, I'm a big fan of the Hart family. So. Yeah, and, and a big friend of the wrestling business, too, Justin. Your heart is in the right place. So I certainly uh, I respect and uh, admire your contribution. And you know, you're certainly a testimonial to... Uh, a person who's overcome you know, a lot of adversity and uh, has a great attitude and a great, uh, you know, drive and, you know, you've overcome a lot. And you've certainly uh, been a great role model to a lot of other people. Well, I, I just want to be treated like, I just try to treat people the way I would want to be treated, you know? I mean, that's, that's just how I roll, so to speak, and and uh, yeah, you know it's it's a true honor to know you, and it's it's a true gift because, for example, I um I was a uh, couple couple months ago I saw Chris Jericho again, and I walked up to him and I said, you know, I said, how you doing, Chris? He says, I'm doing good, and uh, I said, uh, I wanted to tell you one of my buddies I said hi, and uh, he says, who's that? I said. Uh, Bruce Hart of the Hart family, and he just looked at me real shocked. He's like, how do you know Bruce? And I'm like, Bruce has appeared on my podcast for, you know, a couple years now. So it was pretty cool telling Chris that. So. Oh, that's good. And I, you know, a genuinely nice guy, Chris. Is, uh, I'm not sure if he plays, you know, he plays different roles on TV with to his credit, as he heals sometimes, he makes people hate him, and it just means he's doing a good job. But, uh, yeah, a genuinely nice guy, Chris. I, uh, I have a lot of uh, respect for him, you know, and in and out of the ring, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad he uh, I'm glad he was uh, nice and uh, lived up to what you were expecting. Yeah, he, he was a really, really nice guy. And then... I got to meet Nick Foley uh, last year, and he was a really, really nice guy. Even even bought me dinner and everything, Bruce. I mean, he was a really awesome guy. Awesome, awesome guy. Uh, it's nice when you hear some of the guys, you know, uh, are nice guys and uh, decent persons and stuff like that, because unfortunately, all too often you hear the uh, opposite, you know, and you know, guys that are perceived to be heroes and yeah, egomaniacs and jerks and not don't have time for the fans and stuff like that. So I always, you know, it makes me feel good if I hear of one of the wrestlers, especially one that I've known or helped train or something, and people mm-hmm. speak well mm-hmm. of them. You know, I that sort of you know makes me feel good that they've kind of not let it go to their heads or they've got their hearts in the right places, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, uh, before I... I know that if if your show became like a, a huge worldwide phenomenon, I, I have no doubt you'd still be uh, a genuinely nice, you know, compassionate and caring person, you know, and that's, you know, kind of speaks well of your character and your upbringing. Yeah, yeah, exactly, Bruce. And I know you'll laugh at this, and, you know, I don't mean any disrespect by this, but uh, someone asked me the other day, they said, you're in the USA Martial Arts Hall of Fame. 
what would you like next? And I said, I want to be in the WWE Hall of Fame. So. Yeah. Well, you're certainly a lot more worthy than <laughs> a few of the people that are in it right now. So. Yeah. So, so, uh, but, yeah, you never know. You know, certainly uh, any WWE Hall of Fame nominating committee members out there listening, uh, keep Justin Ray Harvey in mind. Absolutely, Bruce. And uh, before I let you go, Bruce, uh, can you give us your final thoughts? And I need to ask you something privately before, after we go off air, of course. So. Yeah. So. Well, I guess my private thoughts, you know, hope people enjoy the uh, Hall of Fame inductions tonight, and I hope WrestleMania does not disappoint. I hope it lives up to its potential. And I'd just like to thank all the listeners for taking from your busy schedules to listen to me and uh, and for supporting my good friend Justin Ray Harvey and, you know, his broadcast, you know. And I'm delighted to hear that it's been going well and it's become a big hit. So I'd like to thank Justin and the listeners for, you know, taking from their time to listen to an old fart like me. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much, Bruce, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Follow me on Facebook and Twitter at Justin Ray Harvey. This is Justin Ray Harvey signing off. Hi, Stephanie Ma here again with a special report from World Martial Arts Media about LegacyFightGear.com. Legacy Fight Gear is the official supplier to the world's oldest and most respected martial arts organizations. They have been manufacturing high-quality, affordable products for over 30 years. Visit their new online catalog at LegacyFightGear.com today. School owners who want to raise money for their teams can register to get a wholesale account and become a distributor for LegacyFightGear.com. Don't forget to like our official page at www.facebook.com slash LegacyFightGear.